supernaturally. Lord, I pray that you would touch your people in such a way that there'd be a testimony that nobody can deny that God did something that only he could do. And we'll give you praise ahead of time for what you're doing in this church and around this nation in Jesus' name. If you believe it, somebody clap those hands and give him all the praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. How many came ready to receive? Can you say amen? If you have your Bible, I want you to look with me quickly, and we're going to go to several different places, but I want to start with uh, Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to begin there, one of the most powerful passages we can see here in the New Testament. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 is where I'm going to start, and um, so good to see you tonight. You look great. I tell, I tell you, I can sense expectation. I like to preach to expectant people, and I can sense expectation in this room, and I love that. There's some places you go, and people just don't, they could care less whether you're there or not. But then there's other places where the power of God is stirred. Why? Because people have come expecting to get something from the Spirit of God. And that's how we need to be, amen, in a place of reception. Hallelujah. I want to say before we uh, go to this portion of Scripture, I'm very excited because the Lord spoke to me to do something uh, this year that we've never done before. Um, of course, we've had uh, our Bible school online, Miracle Word University, but the Lord spoke to me to begin to teach uh, a class on how to properly study the Bible. One of the things that I was so amazed, a lot of places that I'd go, is so many people had never been taught to properly study the Scripture. And uh, so I, I just really, I didn't know who'd be interested in it, but we announced it. And do you know, within just a few weeks, we, have, we had over 350 students sign up for this Bible study course. And we only open the course twice a year because we like to take everybody through the Bible studies we're doing together. But we're getting ready to reopen the course for the fall. And on October the 26th through November the 4th, the course will be open. And uh, it's only $15 a month to be a part of what we're doing, but we put out a Bible study video every single week on Monday that you can do at your own pace, at your own leisure. Uh, it's not live. There's not a specific time you have to be present. You can watch it at your own pace on your phone, tablet, laptop, whatever you got. 
but we take you through different types of Bible study. Right now, we're doing a study on the book of Galatians, and we're doing a deep dive verse by verse on the book of Galatians, seeing things that maybe we've never seen before. I'm getting people sending messages. They're like, man, I've never heard this stuff before. I've been in church 20 years, and I've never heard some of this stuff before. And so it's important to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, the Bible says. And so uh, this is available to anybody that wants to be a part of it. And again, on October the 26th through the November the 4th, and if you'd like to get on that wait list, we have about 160 students that are waiting to get into the course right now. But you can go to bible.miracleword.com, and right now you can sign up um, to be on the wait list, and you'll get contacted by our office when we open this up. Again, if you want to write the dates down, they'll open automatically, and you can go there and begin to jump in with the rest of us. And we're going to do different types as well of Bible study. We're going to go through how to properly do word studies of the Bible and biographical, studying a character in the Bible. Um, We're going to talk about doctrinal studies. Why do we believe that Jesus is a healer? You know, somebody might come to you and say, well, you know, why do you guys believe in healing? Why do you guys believe in speaking in tongues? See, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3 that we're supposed to be able to give an answer or make a defense, the Bible says, for the hope that lies within us. So that means we better know why we believe what we believe. And in this generation, it's more important than ever before. You know, we're sending young people out to these secular universities, and, you know, two lectures and, you know, professors are talking them out of the Bible and talking them out of Christianity. We want want to send them out ready to face the spirit of antichrist that's in this world today. And that takes a knowledge of the word of God, amen, that will strengthen and equip you for what you've been called to do. One thing I can tell you, every person in this room has been anointed by God to accomplish a great purpose in the kingdom before Jesus comes. In fact, let me say this, don't ever let the devil tell you that you're insignificant or that you don't have what it takes to do what God's called you to do. That's a lie from hell. You've got more than it takes. You've got the Holy Ghost and for Vic dwells within you. Well, you also have the mighty word of God which is a force for victory. And so this course will help you a lot. Uh, You'll be stirred up in your spirit. Your faith will be built, but your knowledge will also increase, and uh, I know it'll be a blessing to you. So if you want to jump in with us, we made it super affordable so that anybody could be a part of it. Uh, And so rather than paying uh, to go to Bible school somewhere, thousands of dollars and getting student loans, we said we'll just make it available for cheaper than Netflix. Amen. And so <laughs> it's $15 a month, and you can be a part of it, and you'll get four videos a month. Plus, another thing we do is we have a private community of all the students that are in the course, and we can interact with one another, ask questions, and uh, we do live streams where we take your questions and we give answers the best uh, to the best of our ability, and uh, it's just been a great, a great addition to Miracle Word University. So we'd love to have you as a part of it. I know there's some of you that are part of this church that are already in the group, but it's open to everybody and we'd love to have you. It'll be a great blessing to you. And you can always check out more that we have at Miracle Word University. Um, The other thing I wanted to give you, we hand these out at the altar when people receive Jesus. But one of the things that if you'd like to take one of these, the reason I say that I'd like you to take it, we created something free. You know, when I, when I went on television around the world, the Lord dealt with me. He said, I don't want you to just make converts. He said, I've called you to make disciples. And the, a disciple is different than a convert. 
A convert, that's a new birth. You're born, but when you're a disciple, that means that you're raised and equipped. And all that really is to be a disciple is somebody who emulates the disciplines of their master, and that's Jesus. And so we had this burning desire in our heart to raise up disciples. Well, this is a free tool that I can put in your hand. You're welcome to use it for yourself, but uh, how many know people that are Christians, but maybe they've not reached you know, a maturity level in Christianity yet? Maybe they're still baby Christians and they're learning, and everybody has to learn. We put free videos together to disciple people. So now, I don't care if somebody's getting saved in Nigeria. I don't care if it's Ghana, India. I don't care if it's China or somewhere in the Middle East, they can go right here, and we send them here. They sign up, and they start to go through this discipleship course absolutely free, and we take that time to teach the Pentecostal charismatic doctrines of Scripture. Amen. We're not trying to back away from the Holy Ghost. We're going toward the power of God. We need the Holy Ghost in this generation more than ever. And so uh, if you'd like to grab one of these, we make these available for anybody that would like it. Maybe you'd like to share it with your children or grandchildren or friends. This is free. We have 14 videos in the course that teach these things from a Pentecostal charismatic perspective, and that'll help you a lot. Can you say amen? I want to uh, go to this second chapter of Philippians tonight because uh, I'm very, very free agency in my spirit that God's people, we need to be free because we're not called to spend our entire Christian lives trying to get free. We're called to live free so that we can get others free. Amen. My wife, when she preaches, she coined a, a term. She said, we're not called to be prayer projects for 20 years. And I believe that. We're not called to be prayer projects. We are called to walk in freedom and to bring freedom to other people. Amen. It's not just the men of God, those that are in five-fold ministry, that are called to bring people into freedom. Every Christian is anointed by the Holy Ghost to bring freedom to others in their generation. God has raised up deliverers in this generation. Somebody shout, that's me. And you've got power to do it. And the Bible says here, Philippians chapter 2, something that we have access to. I'll start in verse 5. And the Bible says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, get this, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Glory to God. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Somebody shout a name that's above every name. Say that with me. A name that's above every other name. That's the name of Jesus. And so the name of Jesus, he has given us access to his name. 
That's why we pray in the name of Jesus, because it is the name that sits above every other name. And that's not just the name of individuals, but think about it. Anything that has a name is under his name. That means cancer is under his name. Glory to God. Everything that has a name must bow to the name of Jesus. That's the name above all names. And so when you have access to the name of Jesus, I mean, I'm thinking about this because I think sometimes, you know, you know, especially in our, we've, we've been so long and maybe in the charismatic movement or we've been so long in Pentecost that we've gotten so in-depth on, you know, trying to discern, you know, now there's Pentecostal churches that when they get somebody that comes into the church, they go through like six personality tests to try to figure out what spiritual gifts you operate in. You know, which ones? We want you to sit down. We've got, like, we just want to know which ache. We're trying to, it's like spiritual gifts finder 2.0. And it's like, we just want to know which gifts you operate in. You know, somebody ought to just attend one of those churches for a week just to go, all of them. (laughs) Because it's not, nobody has ownership of any of the gifts of the Spirit. But we have the Holy Spirit. And the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 12 that if we have the Holy Spirit, then we have the potential to operate in any of the gifts of the Spirit at any time as the Spirit wills. So it's not that, you know, it's like people, I've heard people go around and say, well, you know, brother, I've got the gift of discernment. <laughs> really just usually means they're nosy. <laughs> brother, I've got, the gift of, I've got the gift of discernment, brother, and did you hear what Karen's been doing? No. And, <laughs> you know, and, and, so, and so it's not that you, nobody owns, you don't own the gifts of the Spirit, but you have the Holy Spirit living within you. And because you do, he can manifest himself in your life at any given time as he wills. And so many times they're trying to figure out what gifts somebody has. And I need to figure out which spiritual gifts you operate in. Well, because I've got the Holy Ghost, I could operate in any of the nine, and so can you, as the Spirit needs you to operate on behalf of the kingdom. And I noticed something. That when I was reading the book of Acts, Brother Tim, that none of these apostles got real specific about which gift was in operation. I was looking at Acts chapter 3, and the Bible says Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Now, that's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, our time. And they said at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they were headed up to the temple for what? The hour of prayer. And so as they were going in, they encountered a lame man who was laid beside the gate. And he was begging for alms, the Bible says. And when they saw him, he fastened his eyes upon them. And they looked at him. Notice that. And the Bible says that they spoke up and said, In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Notice that they used the name that's above every other name. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Glory to God. You know, it's interesting because he he was begging for alms. And you know, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. You know what that means? Peter knew that something was inside he and John that they had that they could transfer. You know what that is? Power of God. It's the power of God. They said, such as I have. I'm about to give it to you. 
in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. I heard one preacher that was preaching on this. He said the man was looking for arms and he got legs. Hallelujah. <laughs> and here he is. Here he is by the gate. And he he's looking for money. But they the Holy Ghost that's operating in these apostles gets into this man. And apparently, you know, they were Pentecostal dudes. He wasn't moving up quick enough for them. So the Bible says they walked over, grabbed him, and yanked him up. And the Bible says, and his feet and ankle bones received strength. Hallelujah. And he began to leaping and praising God, followed them into the temple. Hallelujah. And notice something. I want you to catch something about this story. That when they came upon a man who needed God's touch, they didn't turn to each other and say, well, uh, Peter, what do you got going on? I only have tongues and interpretation. What do you got? <laughs> Peter's like, well, I've been only just doing discerning of spirits, and I basically sometimes do gift of faith. But I, I, they didn't sit there and debate about which gifts of the Spirit were in operation in their life. They just, in fact, if you think about it, uh, it, Paul the apostle wasn't even an apostle yet, and he had not defined to the Corinthians the nine gifts of the Spirit yet. So they weren't sitting around trying to discern, well, which gifts do I have? Which ones are operational in my life? They just knew we've got power because the Holy Ghost has come upon us. We've got power like Jesus said we'd have. So in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Hallelujah. They didn't hesitate. They didn't hold back. They began to activate the power of God that was dwelling on the inside of them. And see, there's nowhere in the New Testament where the Bible tells believers to just stop and wait until you fully understand which gifts you're called to operate in. No, you're called to operate in whatever Christ has anointed you to operate in. Anything that needs to be done, you've got the comforter in you. You've got the guide in you. You've got the empowerer in you. And there's the name of Jesus that's available to your life. So when you speak the name, it is the name above every other name. I like how Paul said to the Philippian church, he said, it's not only the name above every name. He said, but every knee must bow in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. You know, a lot of times we just think about demons bowing to the name of Jesus. But you know, it's more than that because Jesus said, in heaven first, which means angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. So we know angels have to bow down to the name of Jesus Christ. You know, angels can't take glory. They can't take praise. If you read the Old Testament or New, you know, people, angels are so majestic that when people would see them in the Bible, they'd fall down at their feet and try to attempt to worship them. And what would the angel say? No, stand up on your feet. I'm not to be worshipped. Why? Because angels can't receive worship. They can't receive praise. That's due only to the Most High God. So they say, get up. Don't worship us. Right? And so that's because there, there's only one name that gets praise. There's only one name that gets glory. And that means that in heaven, every knee has to bow. In heaven, every knee has to bow. But beyond that, he said, and on the earth. You know what that means? It doesn't just mean Christian knees will bow. It means every knee will bow. That means Muslim knees will bow. 
Atheist knees will bow. Agnostic knees have to bow. That means Catholic knees have to bow. Glory to God. Every knee has to bow. Hindu knees will bow. New age, it doesn't matter what it is. They have to bow to the name of Jesus Christ. And then under the earth. That means every demon has to bow. Every false antichrist spirit has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus Christ. It's the name of, of all names. And he's given you access to his name. Somebody shout hallelujah. So if you start to look at this, you begin to realize I have been anointed to bring freedom or deliverance to the captives. Here's, here's an interesting thought. Jesus, how many here, this is not a trick question, by the way, how many in the room you believe Jesus was the son of God from the moment of his birth? You believe that, I mean, from the beginning of his life on the earth, he was the son of God. That's not a trick question. He was. But do you know that Jesus, though he was the son of God for 30 years, he never produced one supernatural miracle in his entire life until he got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says he was being baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And what happened? The heavens opened up. And the Lord began to speak from heaven, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And the Bible declares, Luke 4, 1, and he was led into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you, after Jesus got filled with the Holy Ghost, it was miracle after miracle after miracle. In fact, one of the apostles said, if all, all of the books in the world could not contain, if we wrote down everything he did, if we wrote down every miracle that took place, every book could not contain what our Lord has done. I think about how angels could not receive worship and praise, as I just said. But I went into the Old Testament, and I was reading in the book of Joshua. Got me so excited that before the walls of Jericho came down, the Bible says that the commander of the Lord's army was standing there on the battlefield with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua came across him and said, are you with us or are you against us? He said, neither, but I have come. Hallelujah. And Joshua felt the anointing and he fell down at his feet and began to worship him. But notice, this individual did not say, stand up, don't worship me. He stood there and received all of Joshua's praise and all of Joshua's worship because he was standing and kneeling in front of the pre-incarnate Christ that had come down from heaven. That's why the Bible calls him the commander of the Lord's armies. If you look, you know, when I was growing up, um, they used to use a phrase in church because, you know, Back then, all we used was King James Version. I mean, buddy, if that's, that's what Jesus used, it's good enough for me. And so the, the King James Version. And, you know, you'd hear this a lot at Christmas time. Remember this. We'd hear the phrase, he's the Lord of hosts. I mean, I've heard that, Lord of hosts. And I didn't know what that meant. You know, I'd been to like an Applebee's. I knew there was a host that would seat you. I thought, you know, maybe he's the host of all hosts. He gets you the best seat in the house. I didn't know as a kid, but I started to realize later as I was reading later Bible translations that it really renders it this way. He's the Lord of heaven's armies. He's the Lord of heaven's armies. Realize Jesus is the commander of heaven's 
armies. He's the commander of the angelic hosts. Glory to God. And he's the name above all names. There he is in the Old Testament receiving all the praise and all of the worship. Let me tell you, you know something, something powerful? I came across this. This won't be, uh, I hope it's not too deep or deviating, but this got me so stirred up I have to share it with you. Do you know I started reading and I started to do some studies in the Greek language. And if you go back and you read uh, the Old Testament in Greek, it's called the Septuagint, Joshua's name is Yeshua. That's Joshua's name in the Greek language. And, of course, you see in the Hebrew. But you know what's interesting is that in the New Testament, Jesus' name is Yeshua. Same name, it's just translated differently for us because of the Latin manuscripts. They translated in Latin, Iesus, which is where we get Jesus. But his name, what he would have been called while he was on the earth, is Yeshua. Isn't this a powerful picture that the natural Yeshua is kneeling down in front of the eternal, powerful Yeshua. Glory to God. The one that brought God's people in the Old Testament into the promised land was kneeling in front of the one who was getting ready to take God's people into the promise in the New Testament. And that power that Jesus carries, it is available for every believer to walk in that promise, to walk in that power, and to see breakthrough all the time. And so I'm watching this, and notice that Jesus Christ, he appeared. I mean, we see him appear all, all the time in the Old Testament. People think that, you know, you go back to Moses in the burning bush. That wasn't God the Father in the burning bush. That was Jesus in the burning bush. He said, who should I tell Pharaoh sent me? He said, you go tell him, I am that I am has sent you. What did Jesus say in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, uh-uh, I am. And when he said that, every soldier fell back on their backs. Didn't matter how many swords they had. Didn't matter that they were all suited up in armor. They weren't enough for the word of Christ that went forth out of his mouth. And when he revealed who he was, he said, you came here looking for a carpenter from Nazareth. But let me reveal to you who I really am. I am. Glory to God. And when he said, I am, he told the Pharisees, he said, before Moses, before Abraham was, was, I am. And I'm going to tell you, they picked up stones to stone him because they recognized he was revealing to them, I am the word that's existed since the beginning of time. I am the Christ. I'm the anointed one. I'm the Messiah who has come. He said, I am. That I am. Get this in your spirit. It's the name above every other name. Jesus. And the powerful thing is this. I read stories and I start to see things of how powerful just his name is. Sometimes I think he just liked to mess with the devil. <laughs> I, was, I, I love that. God loves to harass the devil. Glory. I said glory to God. The devil's so deceived that he thought, I mean, you read Isaiah for yourself. He thought he'd ascend into heaven and take God's place. I mean, how foolish can you get? And the devil was so deceived, he said, I'll be like the most high God. I'll sit on the throne. I'll ascend into the sides of the north. He'd come up there, and God said, you won't. Bam! And hit him so hard that it made Mike Tyson look like a playground fight. I mean, struck the devil with such force that Jesus said, looking back through the tunnel of time, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. 
That's how hard God struck him and ejected him from heaven. He said, you won't, bam, and sent him to the earth like a flash of lightning ejected him from the presence of God. But then God said, but now let us make man in our image. That's why the devil hates you so much. All the things he thought he was going to be, all the things he was going to want to have, he said, I'll sit on the throne. God said, no, but I'll sit them on the throne at my right hand. You've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. Glory to God. The thing the devil wanted, God gave it to you. He said, I'll be like the most high God. He said, no, but I'll make man in my image and in my likeness. And every time the devil looks at you, he sees what he wishes he always was. That's why he hates the, the, the figure or the picture of man and woman that are on the earth because that's why he wants to mutilate people. That's why he wants to destroy babies in the womb. That's why he wants people cutting themselves. That's why he wants people to have suicidal thoughts because he hates the picture of God in you. He hates that you are in the image and the likeness of the Most High God. So he seeks to steal and to kill and to destroy. But God gave us the name of Jesus that when we speak that name, every devil has to turn and run. If you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Somebody shout amen. And I started reading a story in Mark 5 that got me laughing because I saw something I hadn't really seen before, and then I caught it. You remember the story of the man in the graveyard filled with a legion of demons. Remember the story? The demoniac. And the Bible says that Jesus gets in a boat, comes across, lands in the region of the Gadarenes, swings his leg over and steps into a new region. And the Bible says when he does, the man who's up in the graveyard, who's often cutting himself with stones and wailing and screaming, the Bible says he became so violent that he was not even allowed to remain in the cities or the towns. They couldn't restrain him, not even with chains. He'd snap the chains and become violent again, so they kicked him out of all the towns and cities, made him live in the graveyards. And now, sitting up there tormented by demons. And the Bible says that Jesus shows up in the region. And when Jesus shows up in the region, the Bible declares in Mark 5, and the demon-possessed man seeing him from afar off. This right here will make you shout. In fact, if you don't have this marked in your Bible, mark it up. Mark chapter 5, he said, and seeing him from afar off. You know why I like that phrase? It means Jesus didn't have to get right up next to him for him to feel the anointing. He didn't have to rub shoulders with him and say, can you feel it now? Get a little closer. Can you feel it now? Get a little closer. You feel the anointing? He didn't have to do that. Jesus had just stepped off onto the shore. And the man's up in the, up in the graveyard and looks, and the Bible says, and he sees him from far off. Notice this. The Bible declares uh, in Mark 5, verse 2, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had been bound with shackles and chains. Did he wrench the chains apart, broke the shackles in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was crying out, cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, 
Woo, glory to God. When he saw Jesus from afar, notice he could sense the anointing from far away. Far away. And he said, he said this, when he, sensed, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran. Notice something, he didn't run away from him, ran toward him. You know what I found out? The anointing is like a Holy Ghost bug zapper. It's like every one of those mosquitoes knows they shouldn't fly toward that blue light, but they just can't help themselves. It just keeps getting closer, and they're done. Huh? And that's the anointing. The, remember this. The anointing is a magnetic force. It's a drawing force. What did Jesus say? If I be lifted up, I will draw. He didn't say, I'll repel men from me. He said, I'll draw. He didn't just say some men. He said all men, which means even men and women that are demon-possessed will be drawn. Drawn. The anointing sucks you in. It Conviction pulls you in. Condemnation pushes people from Christ, but conviction pulls people to Christ. I've seen this in action. I've watched it happen. I was in Boston, Massachusetts one time, and I'm sitting there, and uh, they, I had to get, I was in the car because there's hard, it's hard to find a place to park when you're in the city of Boston. So I just kept driving around the block while my wife and the pastor and the pastor's wife were in the coffee shop getting some really, really good coffee. And I knew I couldn't park my big SUV anywhere on those little city streets. So I just kept circling and kept circling. Well, I pulled up and kind of stopped, and a demon possessed woman came right out of the uh, cafe, and she's screaming, wailing, and moaning, and all this stuff. I mean, manifesting on the streets of Boston. Sad thing is, in 2022, you can't hardly make out the difference between normal people and demon possessed people. <laughs> it's like, hold on, is he demon possessed? <laughs> and so here I am in the truck. Now, listen, it, it isn't because she saw me, because you can't see me in my truck. I mean, my, I got my windows tinted darker than a drug dealer. I mean, I, you, can't, you can't see me in the truck. Dark. We're talking dark. I mean, double limo tint dark. And, and so I'm just sitting there, and, and here she comes. I mean, came right. I mean, she could have gone any other way. She came right to where my truck was on the side of the street and stopped right outside of my driver's side door. And just, ah, and just screaming and wailing and just, I mean, manifesting. And I said, you know what? I ain't even going to roll the window down because I don't need to. I can speak a word from inside this truck and send demons running. I said, let's do ours, ourselves here a little bit of a test. We'll have a little bit of a, a, an experiment. And I, and I, and I said, I, I'm going to make sure I don't even yell it because I don't want her to even hear it in the natural. I'm going to test this in my spirit. I'm just going to whisper it. So we'll see the power of God in operation because I'll still say it, but she won't be able to hear it in the natural, but that demon will hear it, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. And I said, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. Just like that, under my breath. And I mean, when I said that, she, she like, like somebody had shocked her. She hit it and took off running down the street, ran into a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Just a few minutes, they were kicking her out of there, ran into a bank. <laughs> they kicked her out of there. And I said, I'm going to make a point just to show the devil. I don't have to scream and jump and spit and holler and point at you and get 19 prayer warriors on the phone and have 16 people on the Facebook chain get together. I just speak one word because I've got the name that's above every name that when you speak the name of Jesus, every demon has to run from you. I was in Brazil one time, and the same thing. A demon-possessed uh, woman came into the services and she, by the time we were done getting her delivered, she didn't even know where she was. 
See, the demon had control, so she'd been brought there. Why? Because the demons could feel the anointing. Notice, they didn't run from the church. They came into the church, sat right through the whole service, sat through the preaching. And when I gave a call for salvation at the end of the service, and there were hundreds of people at the altar, here comes this demonized woman down, and she had the meanest-looking face like she was so mad at what I preached. I thought, man, I'm not the best preacher, but I'm not that bad. And she came and stood at the altar, and when we started getting ready to pray uh, that prayer of salvation, she started manifesting and started swinging her fist to punch the new believers in the face. It took four full-grown ushers to hold her down, full-grown men. She was a small, like five-foot-one woman. And, and it took full, full, full-grown men to hold this woman down. She's, oh, I mean, just manifesting. And I said, well, we're going to go ahead and get the people saved first. Before I deal with this woman, you know, I'd learned my lesson. You know, we grew up, there was a, there was a man by the name of Brother R.W. Shambach. He was an evangelist. And uh, here's a man, he traveled with another evangelist whose name was A.A. A. Allen. And he said, Brother Allen casts more demons out of people on accident than most preachers do on purpose. And he said, I'd see him cast demons out all the time. And so Brother Shambach had a deliverance ministry. He'd cast demons out. Well, in one of his services, I can remember, there was a guy that manifested in the service, and he's screaming and, and manifesting in the second row. He cast it right out of the man. Only problem was that demon jumped out, jumped into somebody else over here. They started manifesting. Well, he cast it out of them. And then by the time he was third person, the demon spoke out and said, we're going to wear you out, Shambach. And he said, Buddy, I'm not sitting around here all night casting the same demon out of 5,000 people. So he stopped. He said, now look, folks. <laughs> he said, bring me that demon-possessed man. You know, because he learned that from Brother Allen. Brother Allen used to put demon-possessed man by the altar, and he'd interview him on the microphone. Speak to the demons. It's on YouTube. You can watch it for yourself. He'd say, now you know you're coming out tonight, don't you? And then, no, no, we're not. Oh, yes, you are. And then he cast the devil out. Well, Brother Shambach had learned that. He said, bring that, bring that man down here. And he brought him to the altar. He took a hold of his collar. He said, now, folks, I'm getting ready to cast the demon out of this man. But if your life is not right with Christ, you are an open vessel for this demon when I cast it out. He said, if you need to be saved, you ought to come running right. He said, people get out of their seat. My God. You know you got revival going when half the choir comes down and the associate pastor, oh, God, forgive us, Lord. He said, get to this altar and repent or your spirit is an open vessel for this demon. He said, they came running. Well, I learned my lesson from him. I said, I ain't going to sit here and cast this demon out of 1,000 people. We had 1,600 in the church that night. I said, I ain't casting the same demon out of 1,600. Let's get these people saved first. Then we'll deal with her on the floor. So <laughs> I prayed the prayer of salvation, and they all and I had an interpreter because we were in rural Brazil with, you know, nobody spoke English, not even broken English. So we prayed, and when they said amen, I'm going to tell you, I felt the gift of faith hit me. I took off running on the platform, and the platform was high. It was like this high, and I, without thinking about it, I just jumped off the platform and landed, and when I landed, I was straddling that woman on the ground, and she's down under me, and I mean, she's getting, oh, you know, and I said, now this is what, this is what got me. I said, now you're coming out tonight in Jesus' name, and without any hesitation, the demon spoke out of the woman in perfect English, not even an accent. I mean, perfect English. They said, no, I'm not, just like that, and my, my interpreter was smarter than me. He took the stairs. 
on the side of the platform. So it took him a little longer. He finally got over. I said, didn't need you for that one. He said, the demon speaks English. Thank goodness we don't need an interpreter here. And I cast, ended up casting two demons out of this woman. And then she kind of made me think of the Bible verse that it, the, the demon tear at him and then left. Same that she thrashed and then she went uh, almost like she'd fallen out in the Holy Ghost, just went limp on the floor. And then some of the ladies in the church came and brought her to. And when she came to herself, she only could speak Portuguese. She's asking them, where am I? What is this place? Didn't even know where she was. See, because she has brought in there by a demonic spirit that controlled her life. But let me tell you what happens. You get into the presence of God, and the Bible says now the Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you, there's not a demon spirit. There's not any kind of foul entity that can stay hanging on to you in the presence of the Lord. You've got authority over every wicked thing in the name of Jesus Christ. Can you shout amen? I tell you, I'm not afraid of demons. I'm not checking under my bed at night. I'm not looking in the closet. I'm not buying a night vision camera to catch a demon on videotape. People watch too much ghost hunters on television. Brother, I'm telling you, we need to cast a demon out of this house. I got a demon in the attic, and he's been messing with my... It's like there's people got more faith in the spirits that are living in their house than they do the spirits living in them. That's the Holy Ghost. I ain't setting up a night vision camera to catch a demon. If there's anything that wants to, let me tell you, first of all, the devil knows where you live. And he knows to stay far from your house. You know why? He can sense the anointing on you just like he can on Jesus in Mark chapter 5. And the devil knows you've got power over him, that he's under your feet, and that you're seated in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers, rulers, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come. And I came to encourage you on a Saturday night that God's got great things set aside for you and your family. He's going to bless you and there's not one weapon formed against you that can be allowed to prosper. If you believe that, somebody clap your hands and give Jesus praise. Woo! It's the name above every other name. Name of Jesus. So this demon-possessed man runs toward Jesus, bows down low before him, and begins to beg him, please, Don't harass us before our time, right? I love Jesus' response at some point in here. Shut up! I think sometimes we've prayed about stuff that we should have just looked at the devil and said, shut up in Jesus' name. Shut up in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But notice, something here struck me, Pastor Jordan. I read this story, and we get to this passage in Mark chapter 5, verse 8. Jesus said, For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? You see that? What is your name? Now, people in the past have taken this one verse and made crazy doctrines out of it. You got to identify the name of the demon that's in your family. You got to go back through your bloodline, brother. One, some point in the 80s, it got in there, I'm telling you. <laughs> oh yeah, there's people. I mean, they've gotten nutty with it. They'll go, you got a time travel in the Holy Ghost back to when that thing. I think you had a Michael Jackson song on in the car in the '80s, and a demon slipped in somewhere. I've heard them preach it, just nutty stuff. 
And uh, we've, you know, there was a whole time, there was, you know, all the spiritual warfare, and I believe in spiritual warfare, but not like some of these folks are, you know, you got to, there's a name of a demon over Billings. We need to get it up on the monitor, put the name of the demons that are over Billings on the monitor, and then we're going to walk around this place and just tear down those demons, put every name up. We're the brothers in the, put it up. We need the names. Baal you are over this city, we tear you down. (laughs) It's like, where did you, first of all, where did you find the names? I don't know if there's like a bookstore with like a demon naming book that's next to the baby naming book. I don't know. I don't know where they find the demon names. <laughs> Did you ever notice that the, the demon names are like never normal? It's always some weird thing. <laughs> Rikyaklanon, we bring you down. It's like the demon's name is never just like Fred. <laughs> there's a demon named Fred. <laughs> <laughs> that struck me funny, man. <laughs> There's two demons named Daryl and Richard. And they've been standing. <laughs> fun to preach with no notes. And so, <laughs> I don't even know where we are in the message, to be honest with you. Mar- but Mar- <laughs> what is your name? <laughs> Larry. <laughs> but, but he said, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to replay this one for myself on YouTube. He said, what is your name? He said, Legion, for we are many. Now, the thing that always struck me here is that after Jesus got the information from the demons, he never did anything with it. Did you ever notice that? Jesus got the information he was looking for, but he never used it for any purpose. He said, oh, I was wondering if it was Legion. You sounded like a Legion in there. I got a special concoction here that I've provided for legion demons. Bam! (laughs) He got the information, but he never did anything with it. Did you ever notice that? And as I was praying about this, I almost got the sense. Now, you see what you feel about this because it's obviously not in Scripture, but I started to ask the Lord, why? Why would he ask for the name if he didn't need it? Because if you'll read the rest of the New Testament, No other apostles asked a demon-possessed person what the name of the demon was. There's nowhere else in the Bible where another man of God or woman of God asked for the name of a demon. It's not something they did. They just cast it out because you got power over the devil. But notice here, Jesus asked, got the answer, and then never used it for any other purpose. And I felt like it was almost like the question was rhetorical. It's, it's not because he needed to know. He was just proving a point to these demons. What is your name? Because I'll tell you what it's not, Jesus. That's my name. And I have a name that's above every other name. It's almost like proving the point. Who do you think you are? You used to be the strongest spiritual entity in this region till I stepped off the boat. But now that I'm here, every knee has to bow and every tongue has to confess that I am Lord. Hallelujah. Ha! Ah, glory to God. And he had to bow down. Notice, before even being told, he ran to where Jesus was and bowed down low before him because every knee has to bow. 
Now you think about this, because uh, if you read um, the writings of Josephus, the Jewish historian, he said when this man said that, legion, it was a reference to a Roman legion of soldiers. That was a battalion that had about anywhere between four and 6,000 soldiers in that battalion. And he said the demons were referencing that, re, that, that battalion of soldiers. He said, could it be possible that this one man had four to 6,000 demons living in his body? See, how vast is the spirit of a man and woman? Well, you know, it's this. Your spirit is vast enough to hold the Holy Spirit. It's vast enough to be the temple of the Most High God. I'll tell you this, we don't know how many demons were in that man, but we know this, it was enough to fill an entire herd of pigs when Jesus cast them out. And the Bible says a whole herd of pigs were now filled and ran over the cliff and drowned in the water below. That's because even Jesus knew that the demons are a destructive force. And notice that Jesus cared more about one human life than he did an entire herd of animals. I wish, I mean, I hope Peter's watching this tonight somewhere. I hope there's animal rights activists that are watching this message tonight that we've got a whole generation of people that are trying to save spotted owls and whales and we're murdering babies by the millions. I know nobody wants to preach on it anymore, but God cares more about one life than he does about every animal that's on the planet because there's no animal that's been made in the likeness and in the image of God. There's no animal that has an eternal spirit living on the inside of it. But God created you and your family in his likeness and in his image and to do his will. If you believe it, shout amen. And I tell you, I'm stirred up in my spirit tonight because God has a plan to do great things through your family, through you. You're not insignificant. You're very important in the kingdom of God. Paul had to deal with this thought with the Corinthian church. And he said, don't forget. He said, yeah, you're all different members, but you're in the same body. He said, which of you can say, well, we don't need the ears because we've got eyes. No, I need my eyes and my ears. I need my nose and my mouth. You can't say because you have one, you don't need the other. And see, in the generation we're living in, there's a bunch of people. You go through social media, there's a bunch of Christians claiming, well, we don't need them anymore. And we don't need that gift anymore. And we don't need those ministers anymore. We don't need that to be going on in the church anymore. But no, Paul said, we're all members. We got different functions we got different manifestations, but every one of us is necessary. Don't let the devil try to lie to you and tell you that what God has called you personally to do is unimportant in the kingdom of God. He is a liar and the father of lies. Every person sitting in this place filled with the Holy Ghost, called by the name of Jesus Christ, has a great anointing and purpose that's been attached to your life. Don't don't ever feel discouraged as though you don't have what it takes. You have more than it takes. You've got the power of God at your disposal. You've been filled with the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and you've got access to the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Lift your hands all over this place. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Oh, yes. You've got access to the name of Jesus. I'll tell you what I felt in my spirit today. Chains are getting ready to be broken. Chains are getting ready to be broken. 
things that held God's people back for too long. Chains are getting ready to be broken. I mean, you know what's interesting is that you can be on your way to heaven and still be attempting to get free from certain things. There's people, you know, I, I was listening to somebody on, the, on, the, on social media the other day, and they said, well, you know, it's not, a, it's not a sin to be oppressed. It's not a sin to be, but you know what? It's not also not God's plan for your life. I find it interesting that when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the Bible says he stood outside the tomb, said, roll away the stone. Then he said, Lazarus, come forth. And when he came out, he came out wrapped up in grave clothes. Notice he had another command before he was done. Told the people that were by him, loose him and let him go. You know, there's people that come hopping into church every Sunday morning. They're, they're alive, but they're still wrapped in grave clothes. I feel like preaching, man. There's people that come in, they love the Lord, they'll sing the songs, but they're still wrapped up in grave clothes. They're on their way to heaven, still smell like hell. You don't have to shout me down. It's almost 8.05. We'll quickly get you back to your Taco Bell that you've probably <laughs> saved somewhere in the glove box. I'm revealing my own vices. Now, I... <laughs> Authentic Colombian food there at Taco Bell. <laughs> There's people, they come to the house of God, but they still allow themselves to be bound up. They're not fully free. But notice Jesus was not just done when he raised him from death unto life. He said, now loose him and let him go. He didn't want him wrapped up and bound. He, notice what he had happening to him. Though he was alive, he was still restricted in his movements. There are people that are on their way to heaven, but the enemy's oppressing them and they've been restricted. Their joy is restricted. Their peace is is restricted. Their strength is restricted. Their health is restricted. Why? Because the devil's working to try to destroy them. Yes, their spirit, they're saved. They're on their way to heaven, but they've not yet gotten free. The chains have not yet been broken in certain areas. And I'm telling you that we can not only be free, but as the Bible says, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. That wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore and I'm going to tell you tonight I feel this because one of the things I've been thanking God for is to see people being set free by the power of the Holy Ghost that no matter what thing the devil has sent to destroy or bind them that when you get into the presence of God it has to loose its grip and let go hallelujah it has to loose its grip and let go Loose its grip and let go. And before we do anything else, I'm going to take a minute tonight to minister to you because I sense this in my spirit. And even as I was praying this afternoon, my brother, if you wouldn't mind coming back to the keyboard, I felt in my spirit as I was praying this afternoon, the Lord impressed upon my heart, I'm getting ready to set some people free. Some of you, you're believing for your family members. In fact, let me ask you by a raising of your hand, how many of you have family members that need to be set free, that there are things in their life binding them up? I'm going to stand with you in faith tonight and believe, God, that chains are going to be broken. 
addictions are going to be broken. Depression's going to be broken. Sickness is going to be broken. The things the enemy sends to try to destroy God's people's lives, it's coming to an end in Jesus' name. Tell you what, I'm so tired of seeing people being destroyed by addiction. We've seen some wonderful uh, deliverances take place in the revivals where people that, you know, you'd look at them and think, man, they ain't never getting free. I've seen people addicted to heroin. I'm talking heroin every day of their lives. But in one moment, in the presence of God, totally set free. Totally. You know what's an interesting thought? You talk about heroin. You talk about these addictive drugs that are so damaging. I mean, we've got opioid epidemics sweeping through the East Coast, through the West. Epidemics. People found, being found dead on the side of the road, on the interstate. I'm talking bad. And then there's always a governmental response. Well, we need to get him into rehab. We need to get him in there. We need to get him on something else. Wean him off the drugs. But see, that's man's response. God doesn't need nine months to get you clean. Do you know God can do it in one moment? And this woman came into our meeting in, in New Hampshire, strung out on heroin. She came in high. Power of God touched her. She went out under the power. And when she got up, she was different. She came back the next night, dressed in her church clothes, big smile on her face. She said, for years, I've done heroin every day of my life. She said, but when I woke up this morning after God touched me last night, she said, I'm not telling you I didn't do it today. I'm telling you I didn't even have a desire to do it today. No withdrawal symptoms. She didn't come in shaking and sweating. She came in smiling, ready to praise God. Because you know why? And I got this. I had never seen it this way before. But I read what the psalmist said. He said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand days anywhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than I would to dwell in the tents of wickedness. So why would he say that? Well, obviously there were fat cats sitting in the tents of wickedness with what looked like all the prosperity. All, they had all that they needed. But he said, no, no, I'd rather be at the lowest level in God's house than I would to dwell in the tents of wickedness with the fat cat. And, and then you read on to verse 11 of Psalm 84 and you find out why. He said, because the Lord our God is a sun and a shield and he bestows favor and honor. Somebody say favor. And then he finishes with this. And no good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. Hallelujah. Now I understand why he said better is one day in your courts. Because <laughs> God can do more for you in one day than the world can do for you in 10 years. God can do more in your body in one moment than surgeons can do in three surgeries. The Holy Ghost can do more for your finances in one encounter than financial planners can do in three fiscal years. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's the one with ways that are higher than our ways. Thoughts that are higher than our thoughts. Glory to God. He bestows favor and honor. Woo! And no good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. Eric, stand on your feet, lift your hands. Power of God's on you tonight. Fresh anointing is coming upon you this week. God's taking you to the next level. Get ready, for you'll begin to see 
things that you've never seen as you study and as you read and as you pray. God's going to give you a fresh revelation, spirit of wisdom and revelation, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, being enlightened. Get ready for an explosion of supernatural revelation, and God's going to take you higher. For you'll know the truth, the truth sets you free. The more you see in the Holy Ghost, the higher you fly in the presence of God. And I tell you, get ready, for God's going to use you in a mighty way, a mighty way. The best days are still ahead. You've not even seen the beginnings yet of what God's going to use you to do. Press in. And I hear the Lord say this. You ready? Don't ever get weary in well-doing. For if you faint not, glory to God, there it is. Ha, ha, ha. If you faint not, there's a due season coming. There's a due season. Faint not. Don't get weary in well-doing. Press in. For I'll use you mightily, says the Lord. You're going to another level. Going to another level. By the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, we thank you. Lift your hands tonight. Just begin to thank God. Things are changing for the better. 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 <clears throat> Hallelujah. We began to talk last night, Stan. And after we did, the Lord just put a, a burden on my spirit, my heart for your children. Ohio, California. The Lord put a burden in my heart. He said, I'm getting ready to protect them. And what the enemy had planned for evil, I am going to protect them supernaturally. And the things that the enemy thought he would launch to destroy your family, it shall not be destroyed, says the Lord God Almighty. And the greater days than you've ever seen in your family are ahead and not behind you. For God is going to strengthen your family in these upcoming months and years. Get ready. It'll be the best position you've ever been in, says the Lord. Ha, ha, ha. Woo. And God's sending a fresh fire to your children. A fresh fire. Glory to God. And this one in California, get ready. For this new member of the family is going to be anointed even from the beginning. For God has a plan to use your grandchildren. A plan to use them for the kingdom. And if Jesus should tarry, get ready. For they will speak the truth. And they will speak the word of God. And they will even prophesy, says the Lord. For I'm setting them apart even from a young age. So get ready. And continue to press in in prayer. Because your next generations are going to abound in the goodness of God. Ha, ha, ha. For I've heard your prayers, says the Lord. And I am answering your prayers. And your family will be abundantly blessed. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Will be abundantly blessed. No weapon formed against your family will be allowed to prosper. In Jesus' mighty name. Lift those hands one more time around this church. In a moment, we're going to agree in prayer together that every chain is going to be broken. Every yoke lifted. Every yoke lifted. We're not putting up with the devil's junk in these final moments of time. We don't bow our knee to the Antichrist spirit or agenda. And I don't care what the devil thought he was going to do against our families and against the people of God. He's going to find out quickly that he has no authority in our homes, no authority in our lives. We take dominion by the power of the Holy Ghost and in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every other name. Can you say amen? And so just lift your hands for a moment and begin to thank the Lord that things are quickly changing, quickly changing for the better, quickly changing for the better, 
quickly changing for the better. Ha, ha, ha. Quickly changing for the better. In Jesus' name. My sister, the power of God's on you tonight. Healing virtue flows through your body. I tell you right now, the attack of the devil is canceled by the power of God. Healing from heaven. I declare unto you now, every attack against your physical strength and your physical health is being destroyed tonight. Just begin to thank him ahead of time because God's doing the work. He'll get all the glory. He'll get all the praise. He'll get all the honor. Free by the power of God. In Jesus' name. Strength, new peace. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Never the same. From this night, new strength, new peace, new health. You'll run like you've never run. Glory to God. Run like you've never run. Take my hand. I hear the Lord say, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Stand. Everything's going to be all right. For the enemy's tried to put even a spirit of heaviness upon your shoulders and tried to bring you into a place of even depression and anxiety. But the Lord says unto you, everything's going to be all right. I'm watching over you. I'm taking care of you. And I will make sure that you have more than enough. And there's a that harassing force that tried to mess with you. The Lord says from this night, you are free. And I speak peace right now and joy. I command you to rest like you've never rested. Sleep like you've never slept. For the Lord, the Bible declares, the Lord gives his loved ones rest. Psalm 127. He gives his loved ones rest. And so tonight, I declare unto you that the burden is lifted, the yoke is destroyed, the heaviness has to go, and from this night, peace and rest in Jesus' mighty name. Fire of God, come upon her tonight. Be free. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' name. Stand on your feet, if you would, all over this church. Those of you, you said, I'm believing. There's family members that are getting ready to be free by the power of God. There's loved ones that are getting ready to be set free. Do you believe that you can send the word of God to your loved ones? You can send the anointing to those that you've been praying for? Jesus did it. The apostles did it. We have the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to take these moments here at the end of this service to stand with you and believe that yokes are being destroyed. Burdens are being lifted. And what the devil meant for evil, God's turning it quickly around. And it's going to be a testimony in our hands in Jesus' name. So I'm going to ask you this. Those of you that are believing for breakthrough, you're believing for the yokes to be destroyed, the burdens lifted. I want you to get out of your seat and come to God's altar tonight. I'm going to join my faith with you. And things are turning around by the power of the Holy Ghost. Quickly turning around in Jesus' mighty name. Your family will be blessed. Your loved ones will be touched and changed. We're going to declare it, that every harassing force of the enemy is loosing its grip tonight and letting go by the power of the Holy Ghost in the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to God. Maybe you're watching online. Believe in God for breakthrough where you are. Set your faith as we get ready to pray the prayer of faith in just a moment. It's not just limited to this room. It's not just limited to this church. But wherever you are, you can receive the power of God in your family, in your home. Get ready to receive what God has. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every hand lifted. Just begin to worship the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God.
And brother, if you just have a song of worship as I get ready to minister to God's people, we're just going to worship the Lord. We're going to receive this. And from this night forward, expect it. My breakthrough is not coming. It's here in Jesus' name. It's not coming. It is here. Hallelujah. It's not just coming. It's here. Glory. I tell you, from this night, it's turning quickly in Jesus' name. Quickly in Jesus' name. Quickly by the power of the Holy Ghost. You shall rejoice, for the Lord will fill your mouth with laughter. Ha, ha, ha. And your tongue was singing. And glory to God. You get to this new year and get ready to rejoice as you cross over. Because God's getting ready to do it by his power. It'll be your testimony of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, fathers, we lay our hands on your precious people tonight. We thank you that that same anointing that raised Jesus up from the dead that dwells within us, it's breaking chains. We thank you, Lord, that every yoke of bondage has to loose its grip and let go. That from this night forward, we thank you that perfect health is coming. We thank you, Lord, that joy is coming in the place of depression. Peace is coming in the place of anxiety. We thank you, Lord, that even addictions, as I preach tonight, addictions are being broken. We thank you for that. We give you glory. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Go ahead, brother. Would you worship? Worship the Lord. Every 
sanctuary would you sing this declare it every chain is breaking every burden lifted come on begin to sing it there is power in the name that's of it Jesus. come on yes there is power in the name of Jesus uh-huh. yes there is power in the name of Jesus come on to break every Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. With every hand lifted high, Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this house tonight. We thank you for breakthroughs. We thank you that things are quickly turning in our favor. We give you praise that you're a God that answers prayer. You're a God that keeps his eyes upon the righteous. We declare this is our night. We receive what you have in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, somebody shout amen. Be seated quickly if you would. Before we receive your offering tonight, I want to show you something that jumped out of my spirit today. I was in Genesis 15, and something that the Lord did through Abraham, and of course, um, if you read this passage, uh, he was still being called Abram. His name had not changed yet. But he decided he was going to present unto God 
a, a covenant offering, if you will. But something he did jumped out of my spirit today when I was studying this. And the Bible says, I'll start reading with, this is Genesis 15, starting with verse 8. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, and a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all of these. Now this is his offering now. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, laid each half over against the other, but he not, did not cut the birds in half. Now look at verse 11. This is what jumped out at me. The Bible says, And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Get that. Notice, he had laid this offering out before God, and as he did, the birds of prey came to try to take his offering. The Lord spoke this to me, and I'm sure you've dealt with this before as well. The Lord said, every time I give you an offering or put an offering in your hand, there's always something that comes to try to steal it. There's always something that comes to try to take it or something that comes to try to divert you from sowing the seed that I put in your hand. I told you last night, the Bible says God gives seed to the sower. Hallelujah. Bread to the eater. But you know what the temptation is? Is that when the seed is put in your hand, to consume it on yourself. And there's always a temptation. You know, one of the things you hear people say, well, brother, you know what you can do with all that money? It's not about what I could do with all that money. My wife just shared with me um, just this last week the total of what we had given last year blew my mind because I'm not keeping a running tally of it. I'm just giving. Amen. I love to give. But when she told us, see, we only have two prayers every year, Pastor Jordan. We only have two prayers every year when it comes to our giving. The first prayer is, Lord, let us give more to the kingdom this year than we ever have in the history of our life in any other year. And he's honored that prayer every year. But the second prayer is this. Lord, let us sow the largest one-time offering into your kingdom that we've ever sown. You say, well, why do you pray that? Because I want to be sure that no matter how much God blesses us, no matter how high he takes us, there will never be a level that he could take us to where we would look at an offering and be like, well, that's too much. That's too much to give God. No, no, no. I want to make sure that I'm doing the largest things I've ever done for the kingdom of God. Amen. At every level in your life, you'll always break past a barrier that you've never been to before. You know, some of you that you've sown largely, and maybe you've been to the place where you've sown $1,000, and you remember the faith it took the first time you ever did that. You thought, my Lord, $1,000 to give to God, and you did it, and you felt that faith being stretched. Well, that's a good thing, because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can go on and you extend yourself. And one of the things that you'll notice if you keep an eye on your giving life is that God will keep blessing you and taking you higher, but you always have to look inside and say, well, this is what I've been doing in the past, but does this still take faith? Have you ever asked yourself that? Well, I've been given this, but if I give this continually, is it? am I still at a place where this takes faith? I remember when I was a kid, my mom would give me like a dollar bill to go to children's church, and I'd come in there feeling like, uh, like, yeah, I mean, I got paper money, brother. These kids were sewing pennies and nickels. I got paper money, brother. I'd come into that children's church strutting in like I was Billy Graham, my little suit and tie on, 
And, and I remember we, they, they'd do the children's church offering, and we'd come down to the altar, and I could hear that change jingling in the bucks. And no, sir, I got pay. This ain't going to jingle what I got, baby. This thing's. And I dropped that dollar bill in, and I felt, man, I'm so happy to be able to give God that something that felt large to me. Well, let me tell you something. I'm 40 this year. There's a problem if I'm still walking into church clutching that $1 bill. It's like, my God, I got myself a dollar. Hallelujah. <laughs> There's a problem. Why? Well, why is it a problem, though? Because I'm not at the place I was when I was five years old. I'm not at that place. God's raised me to another place. And so what I return to God has to reflect where he's brought me to. Hallelujah. So every offering that I give God, it has to be something that moves my faith. If it doesn't move my faith, it doesn't move God. That's why I'm always checking myself and say, well, does that still take faith for me to do? Or do I need to go higher? Do I need to go higher? And my wife and I, will sit there and there's times that, you know, she'll say, well, I felt to do more. You know what I say? Do the more. There's a few times she I felt to do this, or I'll say, I felt to do this. And she'll say, oh, I didn't hear that instruction, but go ahead and do it. And we keep stretching our faith. You know what my next goal is? My next goal is to give a $100,000 offering to the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, by the time I'm done, I'm going to give a million-dollar offering to God. I'm telling you. I, God knows, too. He, he gives seed to the sower. You find out if you keep dedicating yourself to God, you say, Lord, I'll give. You put it in my hand, I will sow it. And I'm going to tell you, set, set some giving goals and say, Lord, I want this year to be a year that I do this for the kingdom. And say, Lord, this is going to be the year I sow like this. You know what God will do? He'll give seed to the sower. He'll give seed to the sower. And here's how I know what I'm talking about. David, the king, did this. In 2 Samuel 24, he said, you know what? The Lord spoke to me to give an offering, and he go, he's going to the house of another man in his tribe. And the man says, my king, what are you doing at my house? He said, I came to get your oxen and your, your threshing floor because I'm going to build an offering and give an offering to the Lord. He said, you're my king. He said, you don't have to ask me for it, and you don't have to pay me for it. I'll give it to you. You can give it to the Lord. He said, no, no, you're not allowed to give it to me. You know why he said that? He said, I'll buy it from you. He said, because I will not give God something that costs me nothing. That was a principle that hit my spirit. He said, I will not give God something that costs me nothing. You know what David's saying? It has to mean something to me if it's going to mean something to God. When I was with my uncle, who was my pastor for many years, he said something about giving that never left me. You know what he said? He said, if you feel it when it leaves, you'll feel it when it comes back. If you feel it. You ever, have you ever been there? You gave an offering. Man, you felt that thing go. You're like, oh, hold on a second. You ever been there before? Who's been there? You're like, you sowed something. You're like, man, I felt that one go. But you know what that means? You're going to feel it when it comes back. Paul echoed that in 2 Corinthians 9. He said, if you sow sparingly, how you reap? Sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you got a bountiful harvest coming to you. Can you say amen? I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost. We're going to pray. The Lord will speak to you, and we always give by the leading of the Holy Spirit. He has an instruction for our lives. So would you bow your head? We're going to ask him. Father, would you speak to every man? Speak to every woman. Give us tonight a leading, a guidance from your Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm believing that this is going to be a year of financial breakthrough. I pray that before we hit the new year, that doors would open up, that increase would come like it never has, 
And we ask you, Lord, to do what looks and seems impossible. We thank you that no matter what this antichrist system has in store, we will not go without in Jesus' name. We will never get to the place of want or not enough, but we will walk in the more than enough. We will have an abundance because of our obedience. We thank you that doors will open. We thank you that debts will be paid off. We thank you that people will show up to bless us because we're your covenant people. We thank you. It's coming from directions we didn't even expect it to come from, and we give you praise for that. And, Lord, we ask you to put the largest seeds in our hand this year that we've ever sown. We thank you that the kingdom is moving steadily forward and the gates of hell will not prevail in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, somebody shout aloud, amen. Amen. Pastor. I know I'm awake. (laughs) You know, I was uh, having a great time of fellowship at lunch with Ted when he came in. And I was talking about how God speaks to us. So sometimes he speaks to me in dreams. And I meant to tell you this, but it slipped my mind until tonight. I was, uh, this is what I'm sowing into. By the way, I want you to stand up with me. Uh, I, I, had this, uh, I had this dream a few weeks ago, maybe, maybe a month and a half ago, uh, that uh, I was with my grandma. Now, grandma's 98 years old. You ought to meet my grandma. She's still alive. She kicks like a government mule. For 98, she's kicking pretty good. And uh, I had a preacher friend with me in the dream, and I said, I, you got to come over and meet my grandma. I kept telling him, you got to meet my grandma. I said, because, you know, she went through the charismatic renewal. You know, grandma got filled with the Holy Spirit in her living room. Mom got it in the bathroom. It was no one laid hands on her. She was just seeking the Lord, and it came upon her. And I mean, grandma got so filled with the Holy Spirit, she ran around the countryside getting all her seven siblings saved, met right with God. I mean, she went crazy for the Lord. And I was telling the man in the dream that what God did with my grandma, he was about to do again in America. And it got me so stirred up because I was thinking about, you know, these times in which we live. I love Ted because he's, uh, he's, he's like old school. And I'm telling you, God is about to do something fresh in our nation. Uh, he wants it. So when I think about sowing, I'm sowing into a future, especially for young children. Young people have never experienced the moving of God's Spirit like the older generation has. And I just believe that God 